Welcome to the Metron Manager Podcast. Thank you for joining us as we work to recover the dignity and mission of vocation. Learn more at metronmanager.com. All right, welcome to the Metron Manager Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Nowlin. Today we have the opportunity to talk with Catherine Gates, the author of The Confidence Cornerstone, A Woman's Guide to Fearless Leadership. Catherine is a leader and a true kingdom influencer. She's a writer, public speaker, teacher, coach, and executive director of the organization called Women in the Marketplace. So welcome to the program, Catherine. Thanks for having me, Jonathan. This is great. I got to know you years ago when we were you were working at Work Matters and I was attending different events and interacting a bit. And that's based here in Northwest Arkansas. And now you're the executive director of Women in the Marketplace. And I'm really looking forward to hearing more about that, about your current organization, your current role. But to really help us get to know you better, can you take us back and share about your journey? Like, how did you get to where you are now from where you started? Yeah, Jonathan, that is a fascinating journey, actually. You know, I started my career as a COBOL programmer, if you can believe that. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I was, and I spent about the first 18 years or so in software development. Oh, fantastic. Uh, doing training. Yeah. Doing training and consulting. And um, I chose that as my career because I felt like it would be very secure, very stable, and um, financially, you know, as well, right. you know, something that would allow me to provide for myself and be independent. Huh. I was raised in a Catholic home. Um, I was raised to believe in God, to believe in Jesus. Hmm. But certain things happened in my life that I just felt like, yeah, he's out there, but my little life isn't on his radar and I'm going to have to take care of myself. Wow. And so I really put a lot of attention into doing that. And I felt for years that I was calling the shots. Oh, that was never the case, <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I thought for a long time. Um, I took a short break from working when I had my son, his father and I had moved to Iowa. We had that. We had our cons a consulting company at that point together. Okay. And I was exploring speaking on topics other than technology and found that people actually enjoyed what I what I was sharing and were inspired by the things that I was talking about. And that was very encouraging to me. Um, so I really was starting to think already, okay, maybe I could get into teaching and consulting on other topics besides technology. Well, that got forced a little bit because my son's father and I got divorced. His, his okay. father left. And I needed to figure out what I was going to do next. So at the time, I, I mean, I was living in Iowa. I took whatever jobs I could get. Um, I took a job as a project manager for a while. I was a director of operations. I did some consulting. Uh, but then in 2008, it was like everything became, um, it was like the wilderness. All of a sudden, I could not find work. Huh. And, uh, and so I ended up moving back to New York and 
had to start all over again. I actually, at the age of 40, was living with my mother, trying to figure out what I'm going to do next. And um, for the first time in my life, I went to a job fair. And it was so funny because I'm looking at all these companies and all these jobs and any any company that only had sales positions, I walked right past because I was not interested. Okay. And this one gentleman came out after me and he said, have you stopped at our, our table? And I was like, no, you're just looking for salespeople. I'm not interested in being a salesperson. And he insisted I come in for an interview. So, you know, when you've been out of work for four months and you need to pay bills, yeah. you know, you get a little desperate. And so <laughs> I was selling commercial security systems for um, for seven months. Wow! But I had no idea that that job would actually prepare me for a job as a sales trainer, which I absolutely loved. Wow! You know, I got to really experience teaching people sales, coaching, and you know, providing coaching. Um, and then eventually work, went to work for one of their clients because, you know, I like a stable paycheck as opposed to depending on full commission. Right. That's just me. But um, what happened there was that was the first time I had ever seen someone live out their faith at work. That's where I met Joy. Okay. And Joy would give glory to God for every sale in our sales meetings. She would pray with and for her customers. And this is Long Island. Wow. You didn't really talk about your faith in social circles, let alone at work. Wow. And I was at a place, you know, after after having gone through that period of time where I really felt like the rug had been pulled out from under me, divorce, not having a job for four months, you know, I was turning to God a little bit more. So I was definitely um, praying more. You know, I was watching Joyce Meyer on a regular basis and finally um, really considering, you know, going deeper in my faith. And maybe, maybe this, maybe God did have a plan for my life kind of thing. Wow. And so when I saw Joy living out her faith at work, it really caused me to take a step back and say, what would that look like for me? And Jonathan, I actually had some women in my network who were business leaders, and we would gather together every other month or so to talk about what it would look like to live out our faith at work, to include our spirituality and work. And fast forward, what ended up happening was um, my my son's father and I had agreed that my son should live with both of us, me to begin with, and then live with his dad. Okay. And my plan was we would live close together, but his, his dad didn't follow that plan. He hmm. moved to Arkansas <laughs> to take a job. And, um, and so my son had to move to Arkansas. I prayed for three years that they would have to move back. I prayed so hard. Wow. And finally I asked God, what do you want it to look like? And actually listened for the answer and realized God wanted me to move to Arkansas. I said I would never move to Arkansas, <laughs> but in 2009, I, I did just that because I felt like that's where God was leading me. And Jonathan, I didn't know anybody here, let alone what jobs might be available. And so, um, so that was interesting because that's where uh, I first met David Roth. The CEO of Work Matters. Okay, there's I was the attending. Yeah, I was attending the same church. Okay, and that Labor Day weekend, he talked about faith and work. He was this. He gave the sermon, 
and he talked about work matters. And here I had been exploring this topic, not ever considering that there might be an organization that actually helps people do this. So I immediately introduced myself, immediately <laughs> started going to what was then the monthly breakfast meetings, blown away by the fact that there were 100 people at 6.30 a.m. on a Friday joining together to explore this topic and just just got very involved with Work Matters. And, um, and so, you know, one thing led to another. Uh, eventually, I got to work with David on um, a project that he was doing. He was creating a, a Bible study that he wanted to make available, market ready. And I happened to be working for a training development company at the time as an instructional designer. Every job is a story, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I got to work on that and I just never stopped. I had said to David in 2011, I'm going to work for you. And okay, at the time he was like, um, <laughs> okay, I don't know how that's going to happen because they were such a small organization. They didn't even have their own office space at the time. But the more I worked on the fir that first study, I trained all the facilitators. I facilitated a study myself. I kept helping him make enhancements to the material. And so finally the board said, we have to hire somebody to oversee this ministry. And I was like, yep, <laughs> that would be me. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> so great. And so then you end up you end up working for uh, Work Matters for a while. And uh, that's obviously, like you said, a whole story in itself. And then that le leads us to your role now where you're working uh, predominantly like championing women. Is that right in the marketplace? How is that that's looking? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, you know, I had one of the jobs that I had on Long Island was working for the National Association of Mothers Centers. And so what we did was we helped mothers find community with other mothers, all kinds of mothers working, you know, women in the in the workplace, um, stay at home moms, all mothers of all backgrounds and and economic situations. Um, and so at that point, I was really seeing the importance of helping women understand their um, the importance of women in leadership, right? And so working for Work Matters, I was meeting with different women. I have a heart for mentoring and a heart for just just supporting other women. And, and I think that experience really raised that up in me even more. And so what was happening was I'd meet for women with women for coffee and I'd, I was hearing so many women say, you know, where do I find community with other Christian working women, women who care about, yes, their roles as mothers and wives, but also have ambition in their career, right. not finding it at church, you know, because a lot of times the Bible studies are happening Tuesday morning at 10 and I can't go to that, Right. but they're not really encouraging me in my work. If I go to the business networking functions, they're not talking about faith. And so I really want both. And so finally um, I got together with some other women and we started just a grassroots organization called Christian Women in the Workplace. Okay. And we were doing that. We started that in January, 2017. And what was happening was more women were hearing about it and they'd come to one of the luncheons and just be like, where has this been? I have needed this for so long. This is amazing. And so we finally realized in 2019, gosh, we need to, 
help other women find this, not just in Northwest Arkansas, but across the country. Well, in the meantime, Kathy Book had started Women in the Marketplace in January 2017. Oh, wow. She, she and I got connected in October of 2018. And I'm very partnership minded, Jonathan. So I'm always looking for opportunities to partner with other organizations, because I feel like when we do that, we can reach and serve so many more. People, Absolutely. Yeah. Right. And so, um, so Kathy and I were talking, well, it turns out in 2019, she was also feeling led to expand out of Cincinnati, which is where she started women in the marketplace. So we were talking about it, and eventually I thought that maybe women in the market or Christian women in the workplace would become an initiative of Work Matters. But COVID hit, and okay. they had to reevaluate their priorities, and they decided to put it all into their Work Matters Institute, which is an outstanding program. Yeah, I'm familiar with that for sure. Yeah. In the meantime, I had also written a book and we can talk about that more, yeah. but I wrote a book that God put on my heart specifically for women. So now you can imagine, I have this heavy burden for women right now between thinking we're going to do a women's initiative, just finishing the writing of this book. And I thought, God, uh, if we're not doing a women's initiative now, what do I do? Hmm. And of course, then I had to go back to Kathy and say, I'm so sorry. I, I'm not going to be able to partner with you because we're not doing the women's initiative. So she said, well, that's okay. We've looked at different alternatives, you know, for, for growing. And um, if we can't partner, then we're looking for an executive director. And I was like, I mean, Jonathan, I worked for Work Matters for over seven years. Yeah. I thought that was going to be my forever job. Yeah. You know, I really wanted it to just, you know, I was looking forward to celebrating my 10 year anniversary, which I'd never had with any company, you know, but when she said that, I was like, oh, I think I'm supposed to do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> That's great. That's a perfect match for where you were at in your uh, ministry journey and life and everything, it yes. sounds like. Yes. And that that sounds like, you know, I, I always like to ask people, you know, what's the what's the most life-giving thing you get to do with this now? I mean, is is this like really feeding your soul? Oh, my word. Yes. In so many ways. It's hard to say what the most life-giving thing is, actually. But I, I have to say, it's really helping women discover that their work matters to God. Yeah. Helping them realize that they aren't called to be self-sufficient or figure it all out by themselves. And in fact, they're called to be in community with other working women. And so, helping them understand how to seek God in their work, helping them understand um, how to, you know, how to find community and build community with other women. It's like the lights shining all over the place. And it's just amazing to see how encouraged women are, how, um, how much hope they have when that's, they discover these two things. That's amazing. And now do you dive into that in your book? I'm really curious about the book. So the, you know, the confidence cornerstone, um, maybe unpack that a little bit for us. And I, I imagine some of those ideas are in your book. It sounds like. Yeah. Community is definitely in my book. Okay. Um, a big part of the book is helping women understand um, that they are not alone in some of the challenges and difficulties that they experience, that, you know, the, the microaggressions, the sense 
of, um, you know, a lot of women feel like they're 20% less valuable than men. And I don't think women are mostly conscious of that. Hmm. It's just sort of a background belief system that's developed from the things that they've experienced. And so the first thing I want them to understand is they are not alone in some of the the hard things that they've had to face and experience, hmm. right? And and then discovering, you know, how do I, okay, great. Now that I've un- uncovered that, how do I overcome it, sure. right? And so a lot of it is, Shifting from our identity, being in our roles as mother, as wife, um, our accomplishments, our failures, right? And the things that have gone wrong. And then they have to figure out, okay, now that the light's been shed on that, how do I overcome it, right? Right. And so a lot of that has to do with recognizing that our identity is not in our roles as wives or mothers, or even in our title in the workplace. It's not in our accomplishments or our failures or what other people say about us. Our identity has to be in Christ. Yeah. Right. And that makes all the difference when, when we can help women shift from seeing themselves based on what other people mirror back to them versus seeing themselves as God sees them and then reinforcing that with one another. So community is so key to one, that growth. Oh, I'm not the only one you're experiencing that too. Oh, it's not me. It's not me. Interesting. Yeah. It's the culture. Okay. Well, I can, I can deal with that. I can weed out the, what I call BS or the belief systems that are limiting me. Yeah. Right. And replace that. This is here's the key too. right is replace that with God's truth. And then, boy, we've got to support each other and encourage each other and hold each other accountable and pump each other up. Yeah. And when you when you touch on the idea of identity uh, being so central, I, I see that in a lot of other aspects. Um, regardless, men or women, whoever in the workplace or in sports or even in their, you know, their family roles, like you're saying, our identity can become, you know, what we do rather than who we really are. And then we're quite vulnerable at that point to any damage to that perceived uh, identity um, if we're not rooted in Christ in our identity. I really do see that as as central, and I'm hearing it from a lot of different directions. A lot of people are talking about it this day. And if you were, you know, talking to a woman who's not really considered this, and she's struggling with these aspects, and especially trying to find her position in herself, really, or with the Lord on how she does work, how she does family, you know, what's the one thing that you would want her to take away in like a quick talk? Like if you just had three minutes with somebody. Oh wow. Um. I mean, how would you reset them? How would you reposition? Yeah, I, excuse me, I would, first of all, remind them that Ephesians 2.10 says, you are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared ahead of time for you to walk in. That means it doesn't all depend on you. It does depend on your relationship with Jesus and your your intentionally seeking God first on a daily basis. It does depend on your faith in him because none of us can accomplish all the things without him alone. We weren't designed for that. We were designed for community. We were designed to seek God and be in community with other women. 
so that so that we can move forward because God, the, the thing I will say is, who am I to be the executive director of a women's marketplace ministry? Who am I to write a book on confidence? It's only God. And if we all look back at our lives to see the places where we've had breakthroughs, we have to recognize, I didn't create that breakthrough. That's because God was with me. And the more we remember all the things God has done in our lives, and the more we can trust he's not done and he will do it again and maybe greater things. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think you even packed that into three minutes. That would be great for anybody to hear, but especially a woman who's processing this. And I love your emphasis on community. I think that's one of our structural weaknesses in society these days, especially post-COVID, is just this breakdown of community and breakdown of relationships and connection and kind of substituting, um, you know, remote relationships or Zoom-based relationships or these things that aren't quite what we need. And do you see it going the wrong direction right now for community? Like how do we how do we adjust or is there an adjustment that needs to be done at this point? Yeah, I'm afraid that a lot of women were already feeling isolated and the pandemic only exacerbated that okay. experience. And and so it takes a lot of intentionality to be in community to begin with, right? Because that's just not the structure of our, our culture. Our culture yeah. encourages, you know, um, being self-sufficient, being independent. And so that's not a good um, formula for community at all. Right. Um, and, and so when I know for me, you know, it's it can, as much as I do not like, and my office is in my home, I don't like working from home, but, and I'm a, an extrovert. But I've got to a time, it can get comfortable, right? We can get super comfortable. And so what we need to do is be intentional. And you know what? Sometimes when, I don't know, the numbers are high or you've really got to watch out for, you know, your exposure, it's going to be on Zoom. Right. You know, but that's, that's better than not having conversations with women at all. Right. But, you know, I, I mean, I make sure that I have scheduled coffees with women, even one-on-one scheduled coffees and lunches. I have Zoom meetings with people. I'm in conversation. I build that into my regular schedule Mm -hmm. because I know it makes a difference. I am in Bible studies with women from um, the Rooted Sisters organization. They're another women's faith and work organization in St. Louis. I am part of their Bible study on Thursday, every other or twice a month on Thursday mornings. I am partnering with other organizations because again, you know, and this is another aspect of, of community, right? We were not created to, to do our own thing. Even as an organization, we're created to be the body of Christ, each performing our function with Christ at the head. Right. And so I, I really believe that we've got to partner with one another, which I really appreciate about the work you're doing, Jonathan, because that's what you do. You bring other people who are doing similar work to the table so others can learn and experience benefit from them and then also potentially form relationships with some of those people. Right. Yeah, that's right. It sounds like it sounds like you're really emphasizing intentionality just practically and tactically for people, kind of regardless of their role or their situation, just really encouraging um, 
act, taking action in, in the ways that you can. Because I know a lot of uh, women and, and just folks in general in our culture right now uh, are kind of conditioned to not do that. Like, like you're saying, get comfortable, get into a routine, and you start to avoid discomfort, which oftentimes relationships and people and even other organizations can bring a measure of discomfort into our life and disruption. But it sounds like you're saying really go after that and that that's really what's needed in this season. Is that accurate? Absolutely. It is going to take intentionality. Again, even for an extrovert, right? (laughs) Um, We've got, we can get so heads down. And what we don't realize is there's two, there are two things I think that a lot of us are missing that are actually going to help us be more productive and, and doing the right things strategically. And that is, you know, taking the, those, that intentional time throughout the day, not just in the, in the morning or at night, but throughout the day, taking that pause to seek God, to just be in his presence, to ask him, Lord, what do you want me to do next? And two is being communication with other people, because I don't know, I, I know not everybody is an external processor like me, but we still, when we share our ideas and we process through with other people, there are the magic happens. That's where the magic happens. Right. Right. And that's actually how I even got the idea to write this book is because of community. Wow. That's fantastic. You know, probably women that are hearing this podcast, um, they're probably, yeah, they're either emphasizing, you know, maybe a a career part, maybe they're not even married or have a family right now. And they're really just focused on career and uh, development you know, maybe they're focused completely on their family and they're not working outside the home. And maybe actually a lot of women could be working in ministry, traditional ministry roles, like with a church or another yeah. organization or in the mission community, something like that. You know, do you see like a commonality of challenges with women in different phases in life that they're in and different uh, roles or realms? Or are there like, uh, like really distinct challenges that you've observed or is it kind of all the same whether they're in the secular world so to speak or in a traditional ministry sense or you know how do you see that when you talk to women yeah that's that's a big question i think there are um, commonalities and certainly uh distinct challenges as well you know for women who for example are you know just are making motherhood their full-time um vocation at least for the Mm -hmm. time you know they they can sometimes devalue that time. And you know what? Here's the thing that we used to say at Mother Centers, every mother is a working woman. Yeah, amen to that. (laughs) And, you know, they are managing a budget. They are managing a home. And I don't know too many women who are mothers who aren't engaged in some kind of volunteer work, whether it's, you know, um, a parent teacher organization or community or, you know, what have you. Um, But those are skills and women do not see it this way, but those are skills you're developing that are trans that do translate into the workplace. So no woman should ever feel like if they're going from being a full-time mom for, you know, I don't know, 10 years or whatever, to now I want to get back into the workforce, they should never feel like they have nothing to offer. They have a lot to offer. Absolutely. And that's, you know, I think it touches on that idea of, or the challenge even, where people see work as 
or vocation is what you get paid for. And then there's some other kind of work that you do at home, so to speak, with your families. And it's not like they create this false uh, dichotomy between what you get paid for being a vocation or what you feel like you don't get paid for. And that's not really the nature of work. I mean, work is redemptive and it's of God regardless of where it's done, whether you earn money, so to speak, monthly for that or not. That's correct. Absolutely. And then women in ministry, of course, that's a different set of challenges depending on the church that you're working for, because that they can truly be discouraged from positions of leadership, right? Sure. Depending on the philosophy of the church. And, um, you know, we were, we've been, so we partner with churches. We want to help churches. We see ourselves as a resource to help churches reach more of the working women and just showing them with re- providing resources, but also providing um, just some strategies, you know, that can help them make sure that they're capturing the needs of those working women. And, and we talk, a lot of churches do struggle with that. Yeah. What, well, what we found through the process of exposing women's ministry leaders to our materials is that they need this stuff as much as anybody else in any other work environment. They need community. They feel isolated. They don't necessarily see themselves as the leaders they that God created them to be. Sure. And so, um, so again, they have their own unique situations, and we want to make sure that they're encouraged, whether or not they're they're encouraged to be a pastor, whether or not they have that opportunity to to lead maybe um, men as well as women. Um, they can still they can still lead. Absolutely. You know, and, you know, I'm thinking about some of what you're saying from the perspective of a man and in ministry and, you know, worked a lot of different jobs. Uh, So for the men listening to this podcast and this discussion, what kind of input or guidance do you give them to course correct some of even the stuff that is subliminal in the workplace? Maybe it's not even intentional, but it's cultural. How do you, how do you help men uh, really understand God's design and role for women in leadership and then and, and accommodate and champion that like not just tolerate so to speak but really accommodate and champion do you have do you have something you would tell them in three minutes so to speak yes yes there are a couple of men in Northwest Arkansas that I, I'm going to just use their stories I won't mention their names sure. right now I, I don't think they would have a problem with it but um, what came to my attention was they, they had been hearing the conversation about women not really being given the same opportunities to thrive in their work as the men. And they thought, I don't think we have that problem here. Well, they decided to investigate Hmm. and they had asked some questions. They had some real conversations with the women and they discovered that they had the same issues in their organizations that everyone else does. Hmm. So number one, I would say have conversations with women and make it a safe place for them to express where their struggles are, where they'd like to go, where they feel held back, where they're looking for mentoring, sponsorship, you know, training, and just encouragement to yeah. grow in their leadership. One gentleman shared a story about how he had invited a, 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 another man on his team, you know, below him, obviously, to, to lunch, and a woman on his team challenged him a week later and said, would you have tapped me on the shoulder and invited me to go to lunch? And he had to be honest with himself. And he thought, you know what? Probably not. And so he got self-reflective about what behaviors 
am I engaging with that make the women on my team feel left out? And mm-hmm. how can I make sure to make everybody be included? Yeah. Right. So, so that's number, that's one and two, you know, ask the women what they need, take them seriously and make sure that you're being self-reflective and really observing yourself in terms of how you treat the men versus how you treat the women, even in your language. Right. The, the, the third thing is be proactive, be intentional. Let's go back to that word again about creating opportunities for the women to be mentored to be sponsored, to, to, to be sent for training, yeah, you know, and to grow as leaders. And so I think if you can be intentional about those three things, you can really have a huge impact on the culture and, and create an environment in which your women thrive. We are actually working with one company where we're helping them start a women's affinity group that includes um, small group community, as well as, opportunities to um, to be trained, to be mentored, and and to also get to know one another. That's fantastic. And now, is that something that uh, you all offer as women in the marketplace, the ministry itself, like that kind of organizational development or coaching or input, or how does that look for you guys? Yeah, we do offer that. Um, Kathy and I, you know, and, and really everybody who works on our team, which it's small, but we have, we have very strong corporate backgrounds. And um, we've done, we have done leadership training. And so we want to come alongside organizations and help them to create a culture in which their women can thrive. And yes, so that is something that we offer. And if you're, you know, if there's women listening to this and there, and this is really sparking, obviously some, a lot of thoughts and a lot of processing, but they don't, they don't have any access to an organization like yours or another uh, similar one in their region or resources what would you advise them to do like at this point? Because they might be like, well, that's fantastic. I wish I could reach those people or like somehow have a connection, but they're in a remote area even, or just not connected. What, what would you suggest that they do at this point? Yeah. First of all, we are national, okay. so, right? Our main office is in Cincinnati. I'm in Northwest Arkansas and we support women all over the country in creating their own small group communities, facilitating studies, um, whatever it is they need to do. So that's, that's first of all, they can get plugged in okay. just by connecting with us. And um, I've got a woman in my Wyoming who started a small group study. And, th- and so she's created a community where there's are women encouraging one another. Um, there's a woman in Hawaii who's kind of out on her own. And so she's part of a group that I happen to be leading, okay. but that's certainly a possibility is if you are in a place where you, there really isn't anybody else, you can, can, you can plug into some of these groups that are zoom based. Yeah. Right. I really want to meet her in person. Maybe <laughs> I'll go to Hawaii someday. Well, but, I, um, yeah, I totally understand the need for that because, you know, even as we look at the evolving world of work, people are remotely scattered all over the place. They don't even have their office culture or community to connect with. They don't even have a local church. They might live in remote Idaho and be working for a company in New York and have really no connection. And so that's really one of the concerns I've had, especially for women who might find themselves in these dislocated work environments. Yeah. Yeah. And then, then we are partnering with the Polish Network 
to put on a conference that is a face and work conference by women for women. It's the Boldly Conference. They had they put on the first one last year, and this year we are 50-50 partners in putting this this conference okay. on together. And um, and so it's live in Dallas. And we're setting up satellite host sites and anybody could really just invite a few colleagues, friends, co-workers to, uh, to um, participate in the conference. It's Friday, October 21st, and, um, and the speakers are amazing. Fantastic. Oh, that's going to be great. So there's some real tangible resources you guys are offering. I mean, even yeah. beyond your book, but all the seminars and training and the uh, the structured uh, small groups and all that. So that's really good resources you guys are providing. Talk about being intentional. This is very intentional. Yeah. And you guys are kind of meeting the moment, it sounds like, at this point. And really enjoyed uh, hearing about that. Well, you know, I always like to kind of end a discussion with this question with people. But, you know, if you could go back and share some wisdom with the young you, you know, what advice would you tell yourself, say, maybe back in your 20s or something? I, yeah, I would tell myself, God cares about you so much that he sent his only son. If you were the only person, he would have come and given his life for you. He cares about your life and has a plan for your life. He wants to guide you and lead you to do things beyond what you could possibly imagine. And so my advice would be seek God first, read the Bible, learn to love God's word and pray about everything and pray not just not just in a way that you're asking God what you want but really listening for what God wants listening for what God wants to say to you and allow God to guide you and work in and through you and when you do you will have a life that is so filled with joy fulfillment and impact that goes beyond anything that you could ever have done on your own oh that's excellent that's excellent well, I'd encourage everyone to check out Catherine's book, The Confidence Cornerstone, A Woman's Guide to Fearless Leadership, and also check out the Boldly Conference. And uh, we'll include links to that in the information on this podcast. But thank you again, Catherine, for joining us today in this conversation. I felt it's been really beneficial. Thank you so much for having me, Jonathan. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Metron Manager Podcast. Presented by Jonathan Nowlin and the Metron Manager Project. Remember, God has given you permission and a commission to work. Learn more at metronmanager.com.